Talks on Psychoanalysis shares topics published in the IPA Society journals and Congress debates worldwide. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. I am Gaetano Pellegrini and today we are going to listen to the paper by Teresa Olmos de Paz entitled A Reflection on Some Concept in Contemporary Psychoanalysis. In her work, Teresa Olmos de Paz reflects on some questions and concepts in contemporary psychoanalysis. She emphasizes that the aim of those reflections is to share some ideas among psychoanalysts because nowadays no analyst alone can give a global idea of what is considered problematic for contemporary psychoanalysis. Likewise, She highlights the importance of clarifying the concepts facing uh, the diversity of uh, enforced theoretical models in current psychoanalysis. Teresa Olmos de Paz was born in Córdoba, Argentina. She carried out uh, her psychoanalytic training in Buenos Aires in the 1970s and has lived in Spain since the 1980s. She is a training analyst at the Asociación Psicoanalítica de Madrid and she has been APM president from 2017 till 2019, is a professor at the Institute of Psychoanalysis and was its director from 2001 to 2003. She is a member of the Forum of Psychoanalysis with Adolescents of the European Federation of Psychoanalysis Among her publications, it should be noted uh, Structures and or Border States in Children, Adolescents and Adults, together with uh, Carlos Paz and Maria Lucila Pelinto. She has published in uh, national and foreign journals, highlighting the International Journal of Psychoanalysis. Together with Carlos Paz, she obtained the first prize annual book of psychoanalysis in 1990 with work Adolescence and Borderline Pathology Characteristics of the Relevant Psychoanalytic Process. This text will be read by Andy Cohen and you can listen to it also in the original Spanish by the voice of the author herself. Reflection on some concepts in contemporary psychoanalysis by Teresa Olmos de Paz from the Madrid Psychoanalytic Association. I would like to start these reflections on a series of issues and concepts in contemporary psychoanalysis, highlighting that they are but an attempt to introduce some ideas to the current psychoanalytic thinking. As I believe that nowadays, at this point in the 21st century, and as Andre Green would say, no analyst can pretend to portray by him or herself an overarching picture of all the contemporary issues in both psychoanalytical theory and clinical practice. Moreover, given the current diversity of ideas and theoretical models in our discipline, I think that it would be interesting to recall such terms as univocal, equivocal, and analogous, which may describe the present status of the different psychoanalytical theoretical models, as highlighted by Path in 2002. The term univocal means 
what has the same nature or value. The meaning of equivocal corresponds to different things that may be understood or interpreted in several ways or may give rise to different judgments. An analogous implies a similarity amongst dissimilar things. I think that considering different psychoanalytical theorizations as analogous might clarify the overall picture of what binds us and what differentiates us as 21st century psychoanalysts. And let it be the demands of what is univocal or the entrapment in what is equivocal that troubles us. Because above all, I think that the Francis Bacon aphorism that says, truth emerges more readily from error than from confusion, should guide our work and our reflections. On the other hand, we also have the filiation of the analyst to a thinking endeavour rather than to a fixed line, one in which he or she articulates metapsychology and practice, with the method being called upon by such articulation. Now, Green's contemporary disciplinary matrix has to do on the one hand with a contemporary reading of Freud, and a critical, historical and problematic for that matter, as put by the great one Jean Laplanche in 1987, who places the Freudian metapsychology and method as the foundations of psychoanalysis, while telling us that if the temporality in psychoanalysis is that of the après-coup, then every foundation will be necessarily a foundation again, a new foundation. Now, I also believe that the inputs and creative criticisms by the main post-Freudian contributions are very important, as they promote and inspire and openness to dialogue. Furthermore, nowadays the widening of the analyzability criteria has allowed for an expansion of the clinical field, where the patients considered as non-neurotic structures, or those in the limits of what is analyzable, are included in the current clinical practice. This fact has encouraged the research and a further widening of the limits of the analyzability and the possible variations on the method. Thinking about the term encounter as applied to the analytical process, I understand it as a process where they coexist as a basis of the condition of being analyzable. The respect for a stable framing enough motivation and a psychoanalyst willing to face the vicissitudes of the transferential-countertransferential bond. The analyzability condition shapes and enables the psychoanalytical encounter, an analyzability that does not imply an absolute concept which allows for a distinction between the analyzable and the unanalyzable patients according to their psychopathological structure. On the contrary, as quoted by Path from 1971 to 1980 and Green in 2002, it is a relative concept arising from a multi-dimensional consideration that encompasses the patient, the potential analyst, and the environment for both. Furthermore, in contemporary psychoanalysis, the psychic work of the analyst as well as its creativity in his or her clinical practice, are favoured. Setting is regarded as a crucial concept, which gets articulated with the notions of transference and countertransference. The setting is differentiated from the formal aspects. It is conceived as a constitutive function for the psychoanalytic encounter and process, and it is the mise-en-scene of the method, 
while instituting the analytical space, here citing Uribari from 2010. I am convinced that the respect towards the setting is one of the elements of our position as analysts. It is a condition for the analytical work and establishes the best conditions for the representative psychical function. Moreover, the setting implies a limit that fosters the symbolization work. It is the analyst's internal frame, achieved through his or her own analysis, that is the engine promoting the development of the analytical situation, where the process and its components, transference and countertransference, come into play. The analyst's internal setting, that as um, Louisa de Ottebe said, is the internalization of the setting from within the own analysis, always present as a third party in its unconscious and pre-conscious dimensions. Now, I think the essential problem lies in the creation of a space that invites the development of transference so that the analytical situation becomes installed. An analytical situation understood as the set of elements included in the relationship within which a process is developed in time that has as knots the transference and the counter-transference, thanks to the analytic setting having been established. In this sense, it is important to ponder the current times we are all living through, in which an event such as COVID has invaded our lives. And our task has forced us, for instance, to introduce changes in the setting in order to be able to work with our patients. This new situation leads me to reflect one more time about the fundamental importance of the analyst's internal setting, which, despite the changes, allows for a continuity in many analytical processes. I also think that we need time in order to properly gauge the consequences of all these situations, as, for instance, how the reality issues are played out in the setting, on the other front, if the trainee analysts are experiencing any issues developing their respective internal settings. Now, I share with many authors the idea that what is specific to psychoanalysis is its method. But it is imperative to add to this that the method includes the analytical situation, the process, the transference, and the countertransference. At the same time, I'm thinking about the singularity of the experience of each subject, as well as on the highly individual psychic reality. Because of all these reasons, we should delve in a greater depth into what kind of object is graspable by the method, so that from this starting point, we are able to redefine what the variations on the method should be when the object is not graspable. That is to say, to re-articulate the object-method relationship. For instance, situations in which there are traumatic representations that cannot be metabolized by the ego and are fated to hang around, so we should assign them other places, as it were. And giving them another place does not mean just to repress them, but rather to link them somehow to enable or to build a symbolic articulation to support them. That symbolic articulation is not necessarily the effect of the free association stricto sensu, 
as its meaning cannot be found from the starting point of the manifestation of an unconscious repressed content. In such cases, it is rather the interweaving of the torn apart psychical membrane, and this cannot be worked out through the method of free association. I think that we should aim here for some binding or linking to happen in the psychic apparatus, which provides for a symbolic interweaving. Our work as analysts with these patients, especially through the first stages of the treatment, is achieved more per via de pore than per via de lavare. Here we may find how truly valuable is the notion of construction. Psychoanalysis does not limit itself just to find what has been already given, but is able as well to produce new symbolization processes from it. For instance, we may think of Bion when, with its mode of intervention, places the analyst as establishing the possibility to metabolize beta elements and transforming them into alpha elements. Likewise, Bion does not regard the other as a projection screen, but as someone in which a true metabolic process takes place, fostering the symbolization functions. Those primary elements metabolized by the mother and also by the analyst through the reverie function when transformed in elements, are able to be symbolized and give rise to a symbolic development. Whenever this function fails or the beta elements become excessive, the subject falls prey to disintegration processes that the analysis will have to then reconstruct. When an analyst exerts this function of reverie within the analytical space, he or she is instituting something that was not there before opening the possibility to achieve the organization of new levels of symbolization that were not there before. These ideas are related with the neogenesis proposal, as the movement that, in practical terms, does not just recover what already existed, but tries as well to generate new conditions for symbolization. As Blachmar said in 1999, neogenesis means the production of something new that is not in each of the elements, but in the possibility of articulation of new symbolic bridges and their combination, about which it cannot be said that has preceded the phenomenon once it happens. To have meaning requires a symbolization of what has been experienced, and just then it becomes transformed in experience. In order for the emotional experience to be governable, it has to be symbolized, and the analysis is the place for the production of symbolization. As I've said previously, to transform what has been experienced in experience constitutes the central axis of symbolization. This is related to Beyond's 1965 idea, where he asserted that the experience by itself does not generate signification. Metabolizing what has been experienced is a requirement for it, and only after it becomes transformed into an experience, into an accumulation of thoughts. In short, I think that the hearing of the different overtones from the psychic functioning leads us to an application of the method of per via de pore and per via de levare, promoting in the subject the possibility of building and producing new processes of symbolization thus reorganizing the field of signification 
to the discovery of everything that never made any sense for him or her. On another front, in these remarks, I should not miss the opportunity to point out that nowadays we are living in complex times and that we should bear in mind the impact that the cultural changes have on ourselves, on our patients, and also on current psychoanalysis. Changes in the notion of time, speed, globalization, the rise of neoliberalism, gives rise to huge changes in the economy and uncertainty and more. These prevalent traits have created a type of social subjectivity with a series of prominent features, the preemptory need for immediacy, the permanent quest for success, the pressure to compete and to be always in the winner's position, the drifting away from the feeling of pain and the replacement of pleasure and pain with the categories of success and failure. Here, citing Palento, ideas from 2006 to 2018. Also a change in the banners, the ideals, and finally in the field of sexuality, where we find different forms of pleasure. I think that telling apart the production of subjectivity from the constitution of the psyche is a task of huge importance for our discipline. The constitution of the psyche refers to a set of variables implying some degree of universality, whose permanence holds even beyond certain changes in the production of historical subjects. Distinguishing between, on the one hand, those statements of permanence that transcend the changes in subjectivity put in motion by the successive historical and political events, and on the other hand, the permanent elements in the psychic functioning that not only remain valid, but also acquire an increasing relevance because they become the potential explicative horizon for these new modes of manifestation of the subjectivity. I believe that, in this way, we may also limit the dangers of the cursory glance in believing that many of the difficulties of a patient are nothing but the sign of the times, or the opposite risk, to disregard the effects of the social and cultural contexts, simply assuming that they leave no mark nor produce any transformations of the symbolization functions and forms, nor in the development of new ailments. Thank you. Thank you.